Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings life, that it brings change, that it brings transformation. I pray that as I share what you have placed on my heart today, that it would not just bring change and transformation to every person here, but even to myself, it would continue to change and transform me. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, at the start of 2024, we've had two services today. This is our third for the year, and it feels like God's really been speaking to us about the fact that he wants to do something fresh, not just in our church, but in our lives personally as well. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared about the fact that God wants to bring us back to a childlike faith. Amen? You remember a faith that is depending on God, a faith that trusts God, and a faith that is honest with God. And it's, it's that idea of bringing us back to the basics, the things that really matter. And then last week, Steve Woods preached an amazing sermon. If you didn't hear it, you can, get a, you can look at it on YouTube or uh, the podcast will be up very soon. And uh, I'd encourage you to have a listen because he talked about redigging the wells from the life of Isaac. And how in the difficult times and the, the troubling times that Isaac didn't make a fuss of it, but he just got to the business of digging the well in his life. And in that place of, and it's symbolic of us digging into God and, and being refreshed by his living water. And so these things are, are really important for us to understand this year, this childlike faith and redigging the wells. Because I feel that God really wants to grow our faith this year. He wants us to mature in our faith. As he always does, he wants to bring change and renewal and transformation to us. But when we talk about faith, the challenge lies in the fact that we need to remember that our faith is not just a once-off unchangeable thing. You see, when we become a Christian and we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, that's the first step of faith. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, a passage that's well known, explains to us that for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves, it is, from, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But the thing we need to understand here is that this faith that we put in God is just the starting point of our faith journey. And in, there's a really interesting passage in Matthew 13 where Jesus describes the fact that our faith has the capacity to grow and enlarge and become bigger and bigger. It's not just, uh, I trust you, Jesus, and that's all I need to do. It's he wants to do more in our life in helping us trust him, depend on him, and grow in him. And so I want us to have a look at Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33. And, and Jesus speaking, it says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. And becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And then he said to them another parable, still another parable. 
The kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until the flour, until it had worked through the dough. Now I'm very excited about this passage. I love the mustard seed bit, that's really cool, but I've been waiting for the opportunity to preach about pizza. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden God has given me this chance. Because if you understand, yes I am Italian so I, I've loved pizza all my life. And uh, I remember one time I asked my mum to teach me how to make pizza. And she showed me how she makes it and I learned nothing. You know, like literally she said, put the flour here, put the water here, and then mix the yeast here, and then a bit of salt here. And I'm like, how much? Like, just what do you think? What it feels like? What a, just see how it feels and just keep adding water until it feels right. And, and I'm like, this is impossible. Um, and yeah, I know she's up the back. She's a, she, uh, she's, yeah, I won't, no, I won't go any further. She's a wonderful mother. But uh, she's just learnt by feel how to make pizza. So I thought, this isn't working for me. And during COVID, uh, I thought, I'm going to work out how to make pizza. So I went on YouTube and I went and followed all these pizza experts. And I've come up with a recipe and a plan and an app that helps me do it all. But the incredible thing about it is that it is a, it is a wonderful illustration of faith and how our faith works. You see, when I make pizza, I get about one and a half kilos of flour. Now, it has to be a special flour. Um, and, uh, and I put it there and I add the water to it. And then I have to add yeast to it. Now, in a, my, the, the recipe I use is a, like an ancient Italian recipe. They call, it's a Neapolitan recipe. It comes from Naples. And, uh, and so I have to add my yeast to it. Now, I've got one and a half kilos of flour, 1,500 grams of flour. How much yeast do you think I need to make that flour into a dough? What do you reckon? 14. That's not a bad figure. Four. I don't know what a teaspoon is. But give, me, give me that in grams. 25 grams? What's a quarter of a teaspoon in grams? 2.5, it's exact, I literally use about two to two and a half grams of yeast in that flour and water. And so the one and a half kilos of flour, once that yeast gets to work, will actually become about two and a half kilos of dough and it will make me 10 pizzas. You get the picture of that? Just a little bit of yeast. I don't even know what two grams is compared to 1,500 grams in percentages. It's very small. Give me that, Jack. Very, sorry? Less than a percent. Very small. But it only takes a little bit of yeast to cause great growth. And this is the encouragement that Jesus is giving us. You see, when you put that yeast in the dough in the flour with water it it begins to get to work and you knead it through and you knead it through and it spreads throughout the dough and the idea of it is it it forms what they call a gluten structure I've even got a picture for you look at that 
That's what we call a gluten structure. It's a whole web of gluten melded together. And the idea of this gluten structure is it brings strength to the dough. And, uh, and then once that it's kneaded in, you give it some time and it, it rises and it does its thing. And then the idea is you then ball it up into separate balls and you get 10 balls to make the pizza. And then the idea is you spread it and you put your toppings on and then what do you do with that pizza? You put it in the... You don't eat it yet. <laughs> you got to cook it first. So you got to put it in the oven. You got to put... And I have a special pizza, little pizza oven at home that I put it in and it becomes this amazing pizza. That's one of my mushroom pizzas. It's got a bit of garlic sauce on it, brie cheese, mozzarella cheese, mushrooms, rosemary, very tasty. Who loves the mushroom pizza? Yeah. <laughs> stay tuned, stay tuned. But uh, just hold your horses. I'm going through the church slowly, just bit by bit. But it becomes that. But for it to become that... It needs the gluten structure so it will hold together and not crumble under the heat of the oven, but it becomes this amazing pizza who is not just healthy to me, but it's yummy to many and it's good for your soul. Isn't it right? Eating good pizza, it does something for you. But this is the picture that Jesus is giving us. Jesus was into pizza too. He's a... He's a they would have made bread and stuff, so I'm sure he loved bread. But this is the illustration of the yeast and the mustard seed, is that it's our, it's our, our faith, and this is the idea that our faith, it's, although it starts small, was just saying, God, I believe in you, I put my trust in you when we become Christians, but it has the power to penetrate every part of our life and create structure in our life, isn't that right? And that structure in our life, that God-given structure in our life, is there for when we have to go through the fire, the troubling times, the difficult times, that God has created this gluten faith structure in our life so that when the difficult times come, the challenges come, it holds us together, but then our life becomes a wonderful gift to others around us, isn't that right? The mustard seed, it grows into this huge tree that birds can nest in and, and find protection in. And the, the yeast creates this amazing meal that others can enjoy. And this is what this picture is giving us, this idea of, of how we can see our faith grown. Now we've talked about the fact that we have to have childlike faith for this to happen. We need to depend on God. We need to trust on Him. We need to be honest with Him. Steve talked about digging the wells. We need to press into God and, and seek after him with all we have. And, and in, in so many terms, we think, oh, that's really simple, isn't it? How do you grow your faith? Well, you just trust God. You depend on God. You be honest with God. You dig in. You seek him. You come to prayer space. You do all these things. It's really easy, isn't it, to grow your faith? Not at all. Isn't that right? It's hard work. 
is hard work because all our life we're totally retrained in, a, in the worldly sense. We're totally retrained to stand on our own two feet, to be independent, to be individual. To, and, and now in God's kingdom, as we become Christians, it's God's challenging us to rely on him, to depend on him, allow his yeast, his seed to grow internally in us. And so with that in mind, it's, I really think the, re- the reality is the only way we can grow our faith, the only way we can mature and become all that God has called us to do, the only way it is possible is by having a relationship with God. This is what faith really is, having a relationship with God. Because it's, it's not about a once-off experience. Having faith, growing your faith, is not about a once-off experience. It's about walking with God. It's about living with God. It's about day by day by day having a relationship with God. Just like we have a relationship with each other. If we want to get everything we can out of our relationship with each other, we need to spend time with each other. We need to consider each other. We need to be involved with each other. And it's really interesting because when the Bible talks about faith and our relationship with God, it often refers to it as a walk. Has anyone noticed that? One of the classic ones is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what does he do? Like he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. What does he do? He leads us by still waters, green pastures. What else does he lead us through? valley of the shadow of death but it's the idea that we are walking with God scripture that's been preached on recently is that Matthew 28 31 take my yoke upon you and I will give you rest do you understand the imagery of that that story that parable that Jesus is giving about taking his yoke is the idea is in that those times when they had a young uh, ox a, a, a adolescent ox what they would do to train it would they would yoke it up next to a old mature ox and the old mature ox would teach the younger ox how to walk how to plow how to carry a yoke and this is what Jesus is saying come and take my yoke upon me in other words yoke yourself to me hook yourself up to me and walk with me so that you learn how I do things how my way of life is. The Bible continually talks about different ways we should walk. Um, in, the, in the New Testament, the leaders of the New Testament continually encourage the church to do these different things. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. 1 John one seven says, but if we walk in the light, as he, God, is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We're called to walk in the light. Ephesians 5.2 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a s- sacrifice to God. The ultimate scripture in the Bible is in the New Testament especially about this idea of our 
relationship with God, our faith in God being a walk, is found in Galatians 5, where it talks about walking in the Spirit. And we're going to have a look at this today and look at it a bit deeper because I think in it is some really simple, practical illustrations to help us understand what it means to have a relationship with God. What it means to allow the yeast, that faith that is within us, to penetrate all our life and cause us to grow and get stronger and stronger. Who wants to know that this year? You ready for it? So let's read it together. Galatians 5, 16, 16 to actually 26, where it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So this is the idea. Paul is writing this and he knows that it is a battle. It is a fight. There's our spirit and there's our flesh and the two are at war. And he's saying, how do we overcome the desire to be independent? How do we overcome the desire to do my own thing? How do we overcome that, the desire to make myself into something bigger than I am? We have to walk in the Spirit. And then he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Idolatry is simply putting anything in our lives above God. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a long list there, isn't it? I'm not going to ask who's done any of those things here today. You don't have to put up your hand. But I'm sure all of us can find something in there that we struggle with. Maybe it's jealousies. Comparing ourselves to others and going, oh, why can't I have what they've got? Selfish ambitions, dissensions. Now, not many of us have murdered, but we've done those other things. But then he goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the fruit of walking in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are, are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Who wants more love in their life? Who wants more joy, peace, long-suffering? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but they're the things I want in my life. And the, the, the message is very clear. How do we receive them? How do we get them? By walking in the Spirit. And then so, so the challenge is, so what, 
does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And I'm just going to give you some very simple ideas to start you on the, on the, on the journey to get you started. But if we're talking about walking in the Spirit, the first thing that is really important is that we need to know or you need to know who you are walking with. This is really critical because the first thing we need to understand about this walk of faith that we're in, this relationship with God that we're in, is that we need to understand that it begins and ends with God. Do you understand? In, in Romans 12.3, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So do you understand that the faith that you are given or the faith that you have is a gift from God? That even the faith, so that mustard seed or that bit of yeast is what God has given you. So this is why he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. So you can't say, well, I have more faith than anyone else because, because I'm better than anyone else. No, the faith that you have is equally rendered from God to each of us. The very fact that we can believe in God is a gift from God. So it begins with God and very clearly it will finish with God. That's why in, in Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then what does it say? And then let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, what is he? The pioneer. So he's the beginner. He's the author. He's the starter of our faith and the perfecter of our faith, the finisher of our faith. So God's job is to provide the faith. Jobs God, jobs. God's job is to give us the faith, but his job is also to continually develop our faith. Our job, according to this scripture, is very simply throw off everything else and fix our eyes on Jesus. That's our job. Who thinks you can do that? That's our challenge because life continually throws us curveballs. But this is the, the challenge is that God says, fix your eyes on me. Now, our passage in Galatians 5 tells us to walk in the Spirit. Now, the Spirit he's talking about there is the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus has sent to help us, to guide us, and to lead us through life. Now, this Holy Spirit, as Steve shared last week, is the same Spirit that raised Jesus. Jesus from the dead. And I had a look at that passage this week in Romans 8. And I, I read on, and it says something really exciting if you read on in that passage. It says these words. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Isn't that exciting to hear? If we're led by the Spirit, we are children of God. And then it says, The Spirit you have received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you to adoption to sonship. 
So the spirit that God has given us shows us that we are now children of God. And we and by him, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This, when I talk about you need to know who you're walking with, who you're walking with is the spirit of God. And what's the spirit of God's job in our lives to let us know? It's to let us know that we are the children of God. He's the one that causes us to cry out to God, Abba, Father. I've talked about this before, but that idea of Abba, Father is they don't really have an appropriate translation for it because it is a term of deep endearment. It's the term of a, a, a baby saying dada or mama. It's that sort of idea or if you want to, it's a, a special term that happens between parent and child. Like when Emma was growing up, she would call me old man. And other, poor, other people thought that was offensive, but between us, it was her term of endearment for me. It was her term of love for me. So much so that she wants her kids to call me old man instead of granddad or anything. Because it's just something that was between us and, and it, it showed me that she loved me, but it also let me know or let her know that I loved her. Does that make sense? And this is what the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, does. Is it? It's a. It's a. He causes us to call God Abba Father, or brings us close to God, so that we can know God intimately, and develop our own language with God on how we would cry out to Him. Not something that should be shared around, but is something between you and God. And this is a. This is who we are walking with. We are walking with our Father. We are walking with our Provider. We are walking with our Shepherd. We are walking with our Creator. In other words, God is the beginning and the end of all. So He is the source of everything. And we are putting our trust in Him. This is what it's all about. And this is, and this is why we need to become like a child if we're going to walk in the Spirit. Because a child is depending or dependent. A child is trusting and a child is honest. But this is a, the exciting thing about all of this is that as you walk this walk of faith, the truth is you will face all kinds of obstacles and difficulties. Like I said earlier, we will walk through valleys and difficult times, challenges. We will be put in the oven and in the fire, we will go through those experiences. But the, the success or the beauty of faith is not that it changes those situations. The beauty of it is, is that you are walking with someone who will never leave you nor forsake you. You are walking with someone who will always be there for you. So the answer is not that you get an answer to prayer. The answer is that God has given you his Holy Spirit to be with you through everything. You know, I had an amazing experience this week that I hope might give you some clarity on what this looks like in real life. But I had the opportunity to visit Luba Kapikin in hospital. Now, Luba's in her mid-80s and she's had a significant stroke. And praise God, she is getting better and better every day. 
But the thing that I took away as I, I left there, because we prayed together, we prayed, and she, she was determined that she is going to overcome this thing. But she wasn't, she wasn't saying, God, why did you do this to me or any of that sort of stuff? But she was saying, God, with God with me, I can do anything. Anything is possible with God. Her faith in God was unshakable. She's holding on and holding on and believing. And she's got a long way to go. But the incredible thing was to see that in her situation, she was not going, well, God, why have you done this to me? But she was saying, God, I'm so thankful that you're with me. I know you're with me, even though it's dark and it's difficult and all these challenges before me. I'm holding on and I'm believing you'll get me through this. That's, the, that's what walking in the Spirit looks like. And it's not about what you're going through, but it's all about who you are walking with. And with God, anything is possible. The other thing about walking in the Spirit is that it is a choice. Sometimes when we think about walking in the Spirit, we think it's like it's just going to happen. It's some mystical thing that God comes in, Holy Spirit's in us, and so he just controls us and we just float through the air and we're just doing everything God's way because we're walking in the Spirit. It's, that's totally wrong. It's, like, it's not like we're God's remote control car and we yield all control to him and we say, okay, God, you just lead us wherever you want to go. No, the verse is very clear. Let me just show you this, just so you get it. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the first part, living by the Spirit, is what God has done for us. Jesus came, as Jim so powerfully shared with us, and, and did everything required, went above and beyond to give us access to God and his kingdom again, to make us children of God again. So God's done all of that. We live by the Spirit because the Spirit has made it possible. But then our responsibility is to let us, doesn't say let God keep you in step with him. It says let us now keep in step with the Spirit. Do you get that? So it's not mindless, I just, I'll just do what God wants me to do no matter what. It's your choice. It's your choice to choose to walk in the Spirit, to make a decision to say, God, I will acknowledge you in all that I do. I will, I will, be, a part, I will be a part of what you are doing. I will be led by you. It's that idea of, of making choices to obey what God is saying to you. That when you read his word that you go, God, help me live this out in my everyday life. When Jesus says, this command I give to you to love one another as I have loved you and someone does the wrong thing by you, then it's your choice to say, I'll love because you told me to love them by laying down my life. It's not about what they do to me, it's how I treat them. But that's your choice. It's this idea of, God not just being your saviour but your Lord. We talk about him being father or parent and caregiver, but he's also our Lord and King. It's no accident that Jesus would describe God's way as God's kingdom. Isn't that right? A kingdom rules a, a land, a realm, and the people in there are his subjects. 
And it's, if they want to live well in the king's land, they need to obey the king's laws. If they want to get in trouble and be thrown into prison, they disobey those laws. And this is the idea. God is the source. He is all. And so we need to learn to live according to God's kingdom, not the kingdom around us or our own kingdom. It's laying our life down for him. It's So since we live by the Spirit, since we are part of God's kingdom, since we're in God's kingdom, now let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's live the way the kingdom of God works, which is all these incredible things like love, joy, peace, patience. And that brings us to the next part because it's not just a choice, but how you walk matters. Uh, one, there's different ways it's translating this idea of walking in the Spirit. Oops, I haven't got it there. But in, in one translation it says, says it like this, let us keep in step. Oh, I had that for you just before. See here, it says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this idea, this let us keep in step, the reason they translate it as keeping in step with the Spirit is it's actually got military connotations. So it's the idea of soldiers marching in an army. And you know how one of the things you watch in the movies is when you go, you're recruited as a soldier, one of the first things they try to teach you is how to march in step. Isn't that right? And there's all reasons for that to teach you obedience and subjection and all of those things. But the idea is to get you as a team. And the idea for us is how we walk matters. We need to be paying attention to what the Spirit is doing, not just in our lives but even around us. And so this takes active concentration and, dare I say those horrible words, discipline. If you want to walk in the Spirit, you have to discipline yourself. You have to concentrate on God. You have to be looking for God and what God is doing around you. You have to, and, I, and we don't do this for works, but we do it because we understand God has given us his word, the Bible. So we have to be reading the Bible if we want to know God's way. Isn't that right? And so if you're not spending time in God's word, how are you going to be led by the Spirit? How are you going to keep in step with the Spirit? If you're not praying, if you're not communicating with God, how are you going to keep in step with the Spirit? You know, the things we do here at church, like the prayer space and stuff, are giving you opportunities to be led by the Spirit. But it takes concentration. It's like Jim said in communion, how often do we take for granted what God has done for us? He's done so much for us. And we can get distracted by life and everything going on around us. And we get out of focus and out of, uh, out of step with God because we don't give God the attention that he is due. Does that make sense? I know that sounds strong, but the reality is if we allow ourselves to keep in step with the Spirit, if we allow ourselves to walk in the Spirit, if we give it the attention that it is required, the, this passage is very clear, it releases incredible power in our lives. It, it says there in verse 22, what's the power that it releases in our lives? The fruit of the Spirit. 
What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The one I really like that's a fruit of the Spirit is the last one, self-control. So the more time you spend with the Spirit, the more time you spend with God, the more time you focus on God, the more time you give him your full attention, what's he going to give you? Self-control so you can continue to do that. But if you don't spend time with God, if you, you renege on reading your Bible and praying and doing those things, spending time with other Christians and, and being with other people like-minded, then you will not develop self-control. But if you do, his gift to you is self-control. His gift to you is love. His gift to you when you spend time with him is peace. How can Luba lay in a bed and still have peace even though her body is not doing what it should be doing? Because she has spent time cultivating a life of walking in the Spirit. And then when the hard times come, she has peace because she knows her God. It's the fruit of walking in the Spirit. This is the incredible gift that God has. And this passage says it really powerfully against such things there is no law it basically means what that means is if you have the fruit of the spirit no one can hold anything against you if you have love joy patience all these things self-control it doesn't matter what laws the government make it won't won't affect you because you're living according to god's way And you're producing the fruits of God's spirit. You're not getting angry and complaining about every little thing that happens, but you're trusting in him and resting in him. And so just in closing, I really believe that God wants to remind us this year that he wants to do something fresh in our lives. But for that to happen, it requires us to make choices to get in harmony with God. Jesus described this in John 15 as the vine and the branches. Another way he describes it is that we are the branches and he is the vine. And as we're connected with him, as we abide in him, what's it say? We will produce much fruit. This type of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so just like branches on a vine, just like a mustard seed in the seed in the soil, and just like yeast in the dough, as we walk in these things, as we live in these things and allow these things to penetrate every part of our life, it's it's not about how fast we go. In our world, everything's about how fast things happen. But in God's kingdom, it's not about how quick the mustard seed grows, because it takes time for it to become a big tree. I didn't share this with you about the pizza dough, but once I put the yeast in it, I actually let it ferment and rise for between 48 hours and 72 hours. So it takes time for the yeast to get through the dough and do its work. And this is the thing, in God's kingdom, it's not about how quickly things happen and change. We're so much about, we want things now, and instantly but in God's kingdom 
It's about who you're doing it with and ultimately about, it's about where he is taking you. You see, in God's kingdom, destination counts more than speed. We want to get there quick. But God's, in God's kingdom, it's about getting there in God's time and it's about where we're going. And this is the thing. In our situation with God, the destination is not a place or time, really. The destination that God is calling us to is to know him. That's the destination he wants us to reach. Our job is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and hang on to him with all that we have and keep coming back to him and coming back to him and making him our focus and our commitment. And his job is to reveal himself to us so that we know him. And ultimately, the ultimate destination is we'll spend eternity with him. But here on earth, while we're here, it's not about things happening instantly. It's about knowing God through whatever happens to us. So just in closing, I want to invite you to join with me because I'm making this commitment as well. But making a commitment to God to walk with him this year. Making a commitment to God to say, God, help me walk in the Spirit this year. In other words, God, help me to depend upon you. God, help me trust you. Help me be honest with you when the times are difficult and, and to be real about what's going on in me. Help me to redig the wells and spend time focusing on you throughout my life. So I want to invite you to pray with me now to commit yourself to making 2024 a year of seeing your faith grow but committing yourself to the action of walking in the Spirit to saying, God, help me do it the way you've called me to do it. Let's pray. Right now, I just ask you, right where you are, you don't need me to pray for you. You just need to bring it to God. And I just ask you to do exactly that. Just close your eyes, talk to God, and whatever's been talked about today, whether it's choosing to walk in the Spirit, keeping in step with God, maybe it's a fresh commitment to your prayer life or your reading the word or whatever it might be, spending time with others. But there's something on your heart that you say, God, help me walk in the Spirit this year. Maybe your prayer is saying, I want my faith to grow like that yeast. I want my life to be a blessing to others. God, help me walk in the Spirit to see that happen. Why don't you pray right now? And ask God to help you. It doesn't have to be a complicated prayer. It can be simple. God, help me know you deeper. God, help me walk in the Spirit. Lord God, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for whatever place in their journey with you they are at. And God, I just pray that for every one of us, including myself, 
that you would help us, God, to fix our eyes on you. That you help us to stay and pay attention to what you are doing around us and in us. Help us grow more deeply acquainted with you. Lord God, in Jesus' name.